welcome to the Inspiring Honey Show podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle, and I'm so thrilled to have you hanging out with me on today's podcast episode. Today's podcast episode is such a good one. It is one that inspired me in so many ways. We talk about marriage and motherhood and how to be a woman that stands for God in a culture that contradicts everything the Bible says and tries to push against it so much. Today's episode is incredible. It's with Lisa Bevere, and I can't wait for you to hear everything that she shared and all the wisdom um, that was talked about in this conversation. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the Inspiring Honey Show today. I'm so thrilled to have you. I am so honored to jump on. My first question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast is this, and it's what are the most inspiring words that you have ever heard, read, or been told? That is a great question. I'm going to go with something that started me on a different pathway. I had an older woman tell me, let your past be your teacher and your future be your friend. And I felt like that that set me free from feeling like I was trapped in in a trauma or narrative from my past. Wow, that is just incredible. I'm definitely going to take that and write that down and, and continue to think about that because I've never heard that before, but that is just so wise. I thought it was brilliant. I was like, okay, what do I get to learn from my past? And what do I get to, how do I bring that forward? Because a lot of people think their past is their future because they spend so much time studying the past that they end up repeating the past. And, you know, life has taught me this. What you look at, what you behold is what you become. And so if we look back, we go back. If we look at pain, if we look at trauma, if we look at wounding, if we look at victimhood, that's actually all that we have a vision for. Mm -hmm. But God is always saying, forget, forgetting those things that are behind and pressing onto the things that are ahead of us. We lay hold of the calling for what Jesus has called us to do. And Philippians was one of my major life forces. I'm going to forget what's behind and I'm going to press into what's ahead of me. Wow, that is absolutely incredible and just so inspiring for me and for anybody listening. And I know right before we uh, hit record, we got to talk a little bit about being cancer survivors. And um, you briefly talked about how you were able to take your diagnosis and, and the loss of your eye as such like a positive thing, you know, and you've been able to glorify God through it. But somebody else who you knew who had a different outcome, do you feel like what do you feel like really helps change the trajectory of being able to look into the future and and really just keep moving forward versus looking to the past and staying stuck? Well, I think first and foremost, we have a God mm-hmm. who, who actually is saying, okay, listen, there is a hope and there is a future that he has a plan and the enemy has a scheme. So we have a God who says, listen, You know, you can cast all your cares on me because I care for you. We have a God who says, and this is what one of the things that just totally blows me away about God. He says, I've recorded every moment in your life before the first day even began. So God has this beautiful story of the redemption 
Yes, it has pain. Yes, it has loss. Yes, it has questions. But at the end, that we come to this place where we are fully known, even as, like, we fully know as even as we are known. And so for me, uh, I felt like there was such this challenge, Gabrielle, for God to say to me, you need to face off with every fear in your life. Mm. And as you face off with these fears, you're going to discover you're fearless. Wow. Wow, that is just incredible. And I just, I don't even have words to to say like how inspired I am by that because I know personally anytime that I've had fear or had to overcome something, it just pushed me to lean into the Lord more. So as God has, has showed you how to be fearless, how do you feel like that has happened? Like how do you feel like he has been able to transform you in your motherhood and your marriage and your ministry to come to this point where you can be fearless because of him? Because I think so often so many of us, and I know myself, get caught in the fear. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to tell you, it actually began as I was a young mother. So I don't know if you know this, but I have four sons, and they're all grown, all married, and then I have six grandchildren. But when I had just given birth to my second son, he was so amazing. Like, first of all, he flipped over when he was 20 seconds old. I'm like, no, no babies do that. He was riding a bike without training wheels when he was two, not two and a half, but two and two months. And I just remember thinking, this child is fearless. But Gabrielle, then I started to see him begin to echo fears that I actually had in my head. Mm. Fears of like, what if God isn't faithful? What if God is good for everybody else, but not for me? Well, what if, what if this bad thing happens? What if God doesn't meet our needs? What if God, all of these different fears that I carried in my head, I started to hear my son say things like, I can't do that. And I, I can still see me, his little sweet face at about two and a half, three years old. I, I got down and I said, Austin, who told you that you can't do that? I said, you can do anything that God tells you to do. And he just had this blank look on his face. And so I took it to prayer and I was like, all right, God, what is going on? Why is my son so afraid? What is happening? And I had such a sense that the Holy Spirit said to me, your son is either going to inherit your fears or my promises. And I was like, wait a minute. He said, it was a fear you don't face off with, Lisa. They're going to continue in your family and meet the next generation in greater strength. And, you know, I wasn't, I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm okay with living in a small space. I'm okay with living contained. I'm okay with living in the background. But my husband had kept pushing me out saying, Lisa, I'm the youth leader. They need to hear from a woman. The young girls are looking for an example. And you know what I would say? I am not some package deal. You can't make me say anything to the youth. I am a handicapped one-eyed wife, you don't get to push me out where I am not comfortable. And thankfully, I had a husband who said to me, Lisa, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, and it's not okay for you to be comfortable when so many people are hurting. Mm. 
And so that combination and with my son, I was like, God, where are all these fears coming from? These irrational worries, these things that bombard my mind. And and it had a root because, you know, God is very clear. So God has not given us the spirit of fear. So fear has like a spiritual nature to it, but it gains entrance with a heart of unbelief. And you mentioned that you and I both share that dynamic of the loss that comes through cancer. And I think as a five-year-old girl, when I lost my eye to cancer, something inside of me said, God is good for everyone, but not for you. Mm. And I had to deal with that and realize I had a heart of unbelief towards my Heavenly Father, who was good and does good. And the truth is more people identify with me based off of losing an eye than any time they would ever have identified with me off of having a struggleless, pain-free life. Mm. Wow. That is just amazing. I, I am so encouraged as a young mom because I have three little boys and my kids <gasps> are very little. I have a four-year-old. Uh, I'm sorry, he's not four. He's turning four in three weeks. <laughs> he's, he's three. I'm planning his birthday party, and I keep saying that he's four, but he's still three. And I have a two-year-old, and I have a four-month-old. So I have three little boys, and hearing me... girl, you are in it. Yes, they are. I feel like um, their lack of sleep and everything that goes with having the little ones, you know, is it feeding into me thinking my three-year-old is four already. Um, but... You talking about how you you heard from the Lord when you were praying about your son and, and the fears, um, it's just so encouraging to know, like, how powerful prayer is over our kids and how our kids literally are a mirror. Like, my sons will do exactly what I do. They just, like, pick it up and copy it. And to me, that's been, like, so heavy on my heart to be praying scripture over them and to be reading the, the actual word of God with them every single day because those are habits I hope that they can inherit. And um, there's just so, so much that you said that I want to unpack, but I really want to lean into your spirit as a mom and, and walking your sons through over overcoming their fears how do you feel like as a mom what was your best tool and and how did you continuously pour into your son so that they were able to grow up to be men who honor the lord and love the lord and seemingly from uh everything i've read about your family have such respect for you and your husband well well, i think you gave one of the major keys right there you said you actually model reading the word of god and this is something that i have learned Children do not follow what we say. They follow what we model. Mm. And so if you model as a mother a dependency on God, a relationship with a living God, and can I even say vulnerability and owning mistakes, that does not say to your children, you know, mom just yelled and I should not have yelled. I, I allowed frustration to push me beyond where I should be. And I want to ask for your forgiveness. You do things like that with your children. It doesn't take away your authority. It shows you're under God's authority. That you know, I used to tell my boys, hey, when I mishandled you, God spanks me. And they were like, <laughs> God spanks you? And I was like, well, not literally. But he, <laughs> he speaks to me. And he said, you were harsh or you were inconsistent. You know, you said one thing and then did another, and that's confusing to your children. But definitely having those conversations. And then, you know, I, 
again. I, I love that my children all love God and all love John and I. And so, sadly, that seems to be a little bit um, more of a rarity than I would have hoped. And and a lot of parents were coming to me, like, how did you pray for your kids? What did you pray over your kids? And I said, well, I'd love to tell you, here's my prayers. And I did pray for my kids. You know, I, I put them to bed every night, prayed over them, prayed for them on other things. But, but even more important than praying for your children is training them. Mm. The Bible doesn't say pray the child up in the way it should go. It says train them. And so I think too many mothers don't understand the value of training their children. They're, they're too busy trying to be BFFs with their friends, you know, with their kids, like, hey, we're friends. No, no you're their parents, mm. and they've got lots of friends, but only one mom and only one dad. And moms and dads are empowered to provide, protect, and direct their kids, you know, with training. And, and so, you know, we made a lot of, I mean, John and I are first-generation Christians. We we made it up as we went along, and there was a lot of stuff. That looking back, we're like, oh, man, we wish we'd never burnt those Pokemon cards. What were we thinking? But at the time, we're like, we're dealing with a demonic spirit. We're going to burn this. Um, somebody <laughs> told my, my husband was traveling, and somebody told him, told him, hey, you know, your kid should never have Pokemon cards. He kind of came home and was like, kids have Pokemon. I'm like, hey. Do. He's like, that's pocket monsters. We got to throw it away. So, I mean, there's things we were way over saved on, but there's other things that we just did. We did right, not perfectly. And, you know, I think every generation has a chance to do it better because they know better. Mm. You know, when, when you guys, you as moms, you guys have so much resources at your fingertips. But I will say the thing that is a challenge that I didn't have that you guys wrestle with as young moms, I didn't have the comparison. Mm. I didn't have all the other mothers, you know, putting up their houses that look like they've been styled and, and, you know, their kids look perfect and, you know, presenting. I I didn't have anybody presenting. I I would, my husband would travel and minister and and I would go to the grocery store with four boys. I, I feel like you understand what that feels like. I mean, once you've had three, you might as well have eight. It really doesn't matter. So, dude, I, I was like, what have we done? So I remember I would go to the grocery store with four boys, and then I would go with my husband, and I was so worried that the grocery people were going to be like, listen, you need to see what your your wife looks like when she's not with her husband. She does not wear makeup. She has not taken a shower in three days. Her kids are like, they're, they're like street urchins. You know, here's the video of her grocery shopping with the children when you're not with her. And and it was very much that real, um, just surviving for me for some days and other days felt like thriving, but there was an ebb and a flow and nobody, nobody was capturing it on video. Mm-hmm. Nobody was posting selfies. And I think it's a little bit of a challenge for your age group to, to let yourself have a little bit of grace because there's that constant comparison. Mm. I like 100% relate to that because I have 
my my kids are all three under three so we are in the thick of it and my boys I, I know you know as a mom of boys but my boys are just crazy they love to wrestle each other they break everything that they can get their little hands on and they're just rough and tough little men and I honestly most days I actually had a conversation with one of my really good friends yesterday and she's a mother of three little girls and we were both like we feel like we're failing like we feel like we can't handle anything like we're like our houses are a mess and we went to Bible study last night and my son had mismatched shoes on and my one son had a jacket that was too small for him and there's just all these different things going on our plates for little for young moms and I know for me constantly seeing on social media these other moms who look like they have a perfect house and my dishes are piled up and and there's blankets all over my living room from the kids it can feel really hard and heavy and I think our generation is really lacking on um a lot of older women speaking into us like I think there's such an emphasis on influence and I think a lot of times it's misplaced and and there's a lot of influencers who haven't really walked ahead of us and are just speaking uh things that don't always like line up with God's word so for all the moms including myself who are struggling with comparison what do you have to say and how can you advise us to discern God's voice and and what God calls a woman to be versus like the worldly version and and the face that a lot of people seem to be putting on wow well I'm gonna I'm you said a lot of really great things and I want to actually break some of those down first and foremost you mentioned influencers um I actually don't really feel like these people are influencers. I feel like, I don't know what the word would be, but they're popular. Mm. And popularity means trendy. We live in a culture right now where people can be loved one minute and, as you know, hated and canceled the next. And popularity ebbs and flows by the moment. Influence, on the other hand, is tested and it means powerful. And, and I agree with you. We have a glaring gap between the mothers, the, you know, like I say, spiritual mothers, older women, and younger women. I actually wrote a book called Godmothers all around that because what happens is there's a lie where the older women imagine that the younger women don't want to hear from them. Don't, you know, they, they, they're like, hey, I don't know how to download apps. I don't know how to put filters. You know, like, I'm not cool. Uh, and, and the truth is, the young people are cool. They're just, they're just not getting the tools they need. And so mm-hmm. we've got the older women that are not looking out. You know, my, my Bible says in Titus, the older women must. So this is not, I feel like, if you feel like it, feel qualified but must teach and train the younger women. But because the older women aren't taking that as a serious mandate from God, Mm. we only have peer-to-peer connections. So we have the young women looking to young women. And and the truth is, you know, if you you don't really, like you can only have theories uh, until you've actually lived it out. So like, for example, I just celebrated my 40th wedding anniversary. Is that wow, crazy? That's amazing. Uh, yeah, so I've been married 40 years. And I remember being in a situation with my husband and calling somebody that I should not have asked advice from. Mm-hmm. And they were giving me advice. It was a peer. And while I'm listening to what they're saying to me, I heard the Holy Spirit whisper, 
do don't ask advice of people who have not gone where you want to go mm. call someone who has a good marriage i was i was talking to somebody who was offended by men had just gone through a divorce and you know what you know i i wanted what did i actually want from that person I wanted sympathy. I wanted her to say, yeah, all men are pigs. You you know, this is what you need to do. I wanted somebody to be on my side instead of asking somebody to be iron that would sharpen my iron. Mm -hmm. Somebody that would say to me, Lisa, what does the word of God say? Because see, that's what an older woman should say to a younger. And then again, I'm training them how to take the word of God and live it out in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, what does the word of God say? Well, the word of God says, I'm supposed to respect my husband. You know, the word of God says that, you know, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman with her own hands tears it down. The Bible says a, a woman is a guardian of the heart of her husband because the heart of her husband does faithfully trust in her. Well, if I'm talking to my friends bad about my husband, am I being a good guardian of his heart? No. Would I want my husband calling his friends talking bad about me? Heck no. And and so what we have to do is we have to somehow let the young girls know that we have a a treasure that is not tapped in the older women. Mm -hmm. And we need the older women and the younger women to be able to have conversations. And, you know, I have older women say, "I, I don't think there's any young girls that want to hear from me. And I said, they're hiding in the open. They're in the grocery store. They're, you know, like you'll see them with their kids. You you walk with them in the neighborhood. It, you don't have to do a 12-week Bible study on how to be an older woman mentor. You just need to come alongside. And if they want to know how you navigated parenting, how you, I get this question all the time. I have four daughter-in-laws that I absolutely love, that I get along with. Everybody's like, how did you do that? How did you do that? And, and I'm like, okay, I can tell you A, B, and C of what I've done. And so, you know, I'll have young girls go, my mother-in-law doesn't treat me the way you treat your daughter-in-laws. And then I have to tell them, you know what? My mother-in-law didn't treat me that way either. Mm-hmm. But I've made a determination that if God ever brought me girls into my world, which you, you completely understand, Boys are half the time are naked. If God ever brings me females, I'm going to value it. I'm not going to compete with them. I'm not going to compete for my boys' affection. I'm not going to be mad because they're beautiful and young. I'm going to celebrate all those things. So that that's kind of that. But then you ask about the comparison. So in 2016, I... I had such a sense that this comparison thing was going to become a huge uh, challenge for the body of Christ. And I wrote a book called Without Rival. And the whole premise of the book is that God loves each of us uniquely. And y- you have the three boys. And, mm-hmm. you know, probably you got a little four months old, so you're still waiting for that little personality to come out. But I bet that if somebody asked you if you loved each of your boys exactly the same, you would say, I love different things about each of them. Like you might be like my firstborn. I love how responsible he is. I love how he takes care of his brothers. My secondborn, I love how crazy he is. Like (laughs) having four boys, I love each of my boys 
uniquely. And when I had this idea, uh, I was had just come back from South Korea, and I was falling asleep when God said to me, I don't love my children equally. I love them uniquely. And I thought, oh, heresy, heresy. You have to love it all the same. <laughs> and he said, same would mean that one of you are replaceable. Mm. See, like, I can't think, oh, yeah, if, if one of my boys is gone, that's okay. I love all of them the same. I know I love all of them uniquely. And there would be something lost in my heart. And... You, maybe you weren't crazy like me, but when I had my first son, I was so in love with him. I could not wait to get pregnant again, have another baby. And when I found out I was having another son, at first I was like, this is amazing. But then I started to panic near the end of my pregnancy because I thought that I was going to have to take the love I had for my firstborn, divide it in half, and share it equally with my secondborn son. But you know what happened. My love for my firstborn was not divided. When I had my second son, a whole other portion of my heart opened up. And the things I love about him are unique to him. And the things I love about my firstborn are unique to him. And the thirdborn and fourthborn, same thing. Unique actually means that God loves each of us without rival. And St. Augustine said, God loves all of us as though there were only one of us. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? Amazing. I know, and you've got that firstborn, and I remember I would always tell my firstborn son, I will always love you the longest. Mm. And when we were doing the mommy son dance at his wedding, he leaned in and he whispered, Mom, I will always love you the longest. Oh. And of course, then I ugly cried, and right then the photographer took photo. That gave me tears in my eyes because my oldest son, he's going to be four in like three weeks from now. And I definitely feel like I, I always tell him like, you're always my first baby. And I always like carrying him, carry him around like a baby still because he really wants that attention. And he's really struggling because he has the two little ones. But um, I love that. I'm going to start saying that to him. Everything you said was just incredible. Like um, I'm going back to like what you said I know firsthand I was so guilty of in our first years of marriage we've been married for four years now and I our first few years of marriage I would like run to my friends and I would run to people to talk about things so mistakenly when I never should have like I should have always just gone to the Lord first and then to my husband and in doing that and being able to like step back and go to God first it's helped me respect my husband so much more and um our relationship has just grown in like closeness and holiness and just pursuing the Lord together versus pursuing the Lord with other people and I think there's so much value in knowing like you said that we can't run to our peers that 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 can be like so mistaken and and that's how easily we can be steered off course and I also love what you said about your daughter-in-laws because I know the mother-in-law daughter-in-law dynamic is one that is so commonly talked about because it can be so toxic you know and it can be so unhealthy so I just am so impressed and so inspired that you truly love your daughter-in-laws and are cultivating um such a beautiful relationship with them and that's something that I get to be able to look up to and, and pray that I have one day as my sons get married. And also too, just just everything you said about your your babies and, and raising them is just incredible. Well, I am so honored that I get to talk to your people and 
believe me, it's all hard won. I made mistakes. I've done it well, but not perfectly. When you were um, learning how to manage your marriage and learning not to run to your peers and, and trying to better your marriage, what helped you switch from going to friends first to going to God first or going to a mentor first? Well, I realized that wasn't working. <laughs> I, just, I, was like, I was like, this is not working. Everybody's been, like, I'm going out with my friends. They're talking about it about their husbands. And sometimes that actually even happens. Like, everybody starts talking bad about their husbands. And you feel like if you don't talk bad about your husband, then you're not, I don't know, participating. <laughs> Excuse me. Or not being vulnerable. And I would, I would go out with my girlfriends and come back. And be mad at my husband. I thought, this is not right. Mm. So I said, okay, I my parents were divorced, remarried, divorced again. My grandmother was married four times. I'm like, you know what? I've come from a crazy world. I'm going to have to find somebody that knows how to love and, and lean into their wisdom. <laughs> so literally, I would watch people and I would watch their marriage and you know, Gabrielle, everybody's marriage looks different. Mm. John and I very much do life together. You know, we are both in the ministry. We are both Christian authors. <laughs> Excuse me. Both travel and speak, which, you know, that's that's a unique set of challenges right there. That mm. You know, we're both traveling, and uh, we both are in ministry. So, like, you know, if you have a wife that's a dentist and a a husband who's a lawyer, they're, they're not in the same lanes. You know, there's different lanes. Um, but we decided that we would actually grow uh, by celebrating one another's strengths rather than pointing out one another's weaknesses. Mm. And, you know, I think a lot of the culture is all about well, this is your husband's a jerk and he does this, this, and this. Or your wife is terrible and she neglects you this way, this way, this way. But what drew you to that person um, was a different thing. And I think we have gotten to the place where husband and wife, I mean, think about it. God said that when we get married, the two become one. Mm -hmm. Now, we become one spiritually. But as far and physically on the honeymoon or whenever, <laughs> but you don't become one in your soul right away. That that requires like some tempering. That mm -hmm. requires uh, hard conversations. It requires holy spaces. It requires love believing the best of the other person. It requires healthy boundaries. You know, it's like, hey, I'm not comfortable with you uh, traveling alone with a woman, or I'm not comfortable with this, or, <clears throat> and I may, you may get pushed back from me saying that, but here's the, here's the way my husband and I look at things. We say a hard no for one is a hard no for both. So there's some things that I might say to John, I really don't like that, but it's not a hard no. I'm not, I'm not like that's a non-negotiable. So you don't pull the non-negotiable card very often, but like you know, I like we we also as ministers we saw other ministers just start out really smart and end up doing really stupid things, and we're like we don't want to be those people. And and one of the common things that we found 
in the life of people that started out smart and ended up stupid was they didn't have any healthy, organic relationships with people that weren't afraid to speak truth to them. Mm-hmm. So each and every one of us in our marriage, in our spiritual walk, we need to surround ourselves with people who will ask us the questions we don't want to answer and tell us the things we don't want to hear. They, they have to be people invested in our growth. And, and not everybody gets to have that place. Mm. But you need to have at least one person or two people. Like for me, my husband is that person. He definitely is that person. And, um, and I'm that for him. But then I also have some women that are a few years older than me, which is getting harder because I'm 62. I'm having a hard time finding women that are older. <laughs> I'm like, okay, can y'all help me out here? But, <laughs> but, you know, to pour in and say, Lisa, how's your soul? Mm. I don't care about how many books you've sold. How's your marriage? How, how's your, are you getting time with your grandkids? Are you getting time with your sons? How's your relationship with your daughter-in-law's? you know how's your relationship with the lord you know these are people that really they they care about me and i would call those transformational relationships wow but right now we live in a world that has transactional relationships oh yes you do this for me i'll do this for you and those are not safe people Mm. because they're for you when they're for you but you don't want to bear your, and I'm not saying they're evil. I'm just saying you don't bear your heart and your soul to those people. You, you mm-hmm. go to people who love you, love your husband, and who want to bring the best out in you. John and I believe marriage is two people committed to bringing the best out in one another. Mm. I love that so much. And, and one, of my, one of the things that you said that really struck a chord in me is something that my husband and I I want to say in the last like two three months have been talking about and praying about and it's if we both say no then it's a hard no you know we've um we've come up with in our marriage too like if one of us says no we're not going to do this and the other person is saying yes then it remains no until we can both pray about it and come back to it a few hours later and and talk through it and I think that's so important because there has to be such unity and I love how you said that because our culture like says everything contradictory to marriage like our culture is really attacking the family it's like trying to tear families apart and and break down marriage and break down the gift of motherhood and it's just really inspiring to hear how you and John have such oneness and since you guys are traveling and speaking and writing how do you still remain that closeness even if you are in two different countries or two different time zones how do you keep your relationship so strong well I think God graces you for whatever he calls you to do mm. and and the truth is there's there's other things because of what just what you just said because I might travel or John travels when we go home uh, and, and again we, we're empty nesters now uh, but we are Italians so therefore we have five grandkids that live down the street from us so we are empty nesters but we have a 30 second bike ride to be with five of our six grandkids so we, we definitely believe that the family unit is a God idea and it is under attack right now I also agree with you that family units and marriage is under attack. And I don't think people understand sometimes what's really going on. Mm. 
Jesus is coming back for a bride. He calls himself a bridegroom, and he's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He's coming back for a church who is watching and waiting that has oil in its lamps. Mm -hmm. And what's crazy is if I was the enemy, I would say, okay, let's, let's completely distort the idea of what marriage even is. Mm -hmm. It's not a covenant. It's a convenience. It's a piece of paper. These are, these are the things that we hear in our culture all the time. It's not people. It's just an agreement between two people. Well, you and I know that a marriage is a covenant between three the husband, the wife, and God, you know, because God is the one. And then, so I would, I would deal with that. Then I would make sexuality just about sex. I would not make it about children. Mm -hmm. I would make children an inconvenience. Uh, when, when God says they're a gift, mm -hmm. I would make children optional, uh, that, you know, like you can make your own choices at any point, you know, that there's no consequence mm. to having uh, promiscuity or, or yeah, I just, we have everything is anti-family, anti-God, anti-holy. You know, we have purity labeled as toxic. Yes, I'm sure there's people. Uh, I, I was basically, you know, a college hoe and then I got saved. So I didn't, <laughs> I was never a victim of the purity culture. I didn't even become a Christian until I had already squandered all my purity. But we say purity is toxic, but transgender is kind. Hmm. Telling people they're a yeah. mistake is kind. So we have everything upside down, sideways, backwards, but there is still that human longing to belong. Hmm. People still want to belong. And because family has been such an issue of brokenness and wounding, and I don't think the church has always done it well. I don't think the church has... Uh, understood how to honor its daughters mm. and I and I do feel that churches are healthiest if they have the voice of a father and the voice of a mother not the voice of a mother trying to sound like a father or a father trying to sound like a mother not a voice in a mother and father fighting you know that's hard mm. on a family it's hard on the church but a voice of a father who understands that all authority is for protection, direction, and provision. Mm -hmm. It's not to dominate. It's not to use. It's not to hold people down. If I have any authority in the spirit, it's to lift other people up, not hold them down, not mm -hmm. to push them aside. And I and I and I think because certain things have been unhealthy, uh, people have taken a broad breaststroke and said everything is unhealthy. Everything is into question. You know, family is not real anymore. Church is a lie. But we can't love Jesus and then hate his bride, mm. which is the church. And I see, like, I can't agree with that more because it's just so true. Like, the enemy is it's so clear that everything that's going on with our culture is the plan of the enemy with destroying the marriage and, and making abortion seem wonderful and, and making like all these horrible things and, and indoctrinating kids in school and just taking Christ out of everything and, and trying to tear apart the family is such a clear device and, and strategy of the enemy. Um, and also too, 
on the other end of the church, like the church needing to come together and be alert and be aware that Jesus really is coming back, that the word of God is true and that Jesus will be back. As believers and as women, how do you feel like and what advice do you have to help us stay alert, to keep the lamp or the oil in our lamps burning and and our eyes open for Jesus and to help us be ready and to help us be a voice for God, even in a culture that is so contradictory. Yeah, no, I think, I think that we see this admonishment from Peter, we see in Timothy, we see it over and over to actually be alert, to, Mm -hmm. to take, Paul tells the church in Ephesians 6, you know, you don't wrestle with flesh and blood with, with principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness of high places that would exalt themselves against us knowing God. So what is what is the attack? It's always going to bring an obstacle or a barrier between people and the love of God, the knowledge of God, the truth of God, the presence of God, the healing of God, the provision of God, the deliverance of God. And but but we have a, I feel like we have a church saying, Oh, the victory is won. We don't we don't have a battle. Well, why is God giving us the sword of the spirit? Why does he give us a helmet of salvation? Why does he give us a breastplate of righteousness? Why does he ask us to put our, shot our feet or put on the gospel of peace? Why is he do, you know, if there's no battle, so God finishes something, Isaiah is very clear, and then he begins it. So on the cross, Jesus began to reverse everything that had been taken and stolen under the fall and and you and i are alive it says to to you know to stand on the word of god so if how can they stand on the word if i don't even read it Mm. which is we have a generation that thinks reading a meme is reading the word of god now yes if it's a scripture that's awesome but it's just a catchphrase Mm. and a catchphrase without context does not have the weight it's just got a fraction and so we need to actually read the word of God until it reads us. We need to sit down and, and just read it and say, Holy Spirit, your word is alive. As I read the scripture, highlight what I need to hear, not what I need to say to somebody else, not what I need to post in a meme. Highlight what I personally need to hear. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, you know, there's that thing that says when you, when you bring your offering before God and suddenly you remember Somebody is upset with you. He says, leave your offering and go make it right. So I think we don't take that serious either. Mm. When, when I am in prayer and God says, Lisa, you are harsh with your husband. Or you, you need to celebrate your team member. Or you need to reach out to this person that's really hurting. I need to write that down and do it. Mm. And, and, and I, I don't think we make time for the presence of God or the word of God, or the Holy Spirit to speak to us because we're so busy speaking to everybody else. Mm. And stillness can feel really uncomfortable in this time period, but if I don't still my soul, if I don't quiet my mind, if I don't ponder the word, like you're, you're a young mom. I mean, you're, you, you might, the scripture you might be studying is, I'm going to be slow to speak, Quick to listen, slow to rap. God put a watch over my mouth. You know, and that's that's going to work its way out in your life. You know, you're going to be like God. I'm going to let patience have its perfect work. You know, you don't have to. 
like I find so many young moms, they, they, they think they're not reading their Bible enough. I'm like, right now is your chance to live it. Mm. Like, you need to live the Bible. <laughs> and yeah. you live the Bible in front of your children and with humility and with consistency. And, you know, even if you read four verses, it's better that you read four, four verses and live them than 14 chapters and not. Mm. I can't agree with that more, especially being a young mom. Like, one thing that I've learned to do, and, you know, I'm still learning how to balance that and how to to balance the Lord while taking care of the kids and everything else. But one thing I've been doing is I literally carry my Bible with me from room to room. And whenever the kids, like, are sitting down, I just open it and I start reading aloud. Or, like, I just start praying aloud over them all the time. And I was actually talking to one of my friends a few days ago because she was talking about how she hates to be home and she always loves to fill her schedule with doing tons of things. And I think, honestly, one of the problems with our culture is we're constantly going, going, going. So we don't get to have that stillness with God that you're talking about because our minds are constantly filled and we're constantly on the go. So if we're constantly on the go, how can we still ourselves? And I think it's important to like create those still moments even in the busy, busy seasons. Is there a way that you are able to cultivate that that stillness with the yeah. Lord? I mean, I'm so impressed that you could carry your Bible from room to room. I think I was terrified my boys would tear it up. <laughs> they I have. They've can. colored in uh, all over yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. I arrested the atmosphere with praise and worship music yes i mean i am pretty sure as soon as i got up the praise and worship music started when i started the coffee i yes. mean it was like this is all happening i i'm going to wake up to the praise of god and mm. and my voice they teach me about it now but they would talk about how um there would be moments where they like we had a little loft where the boys would play and they would look down, and I'd be face down in the carpet crying, or I'd be <laughs> dancing, <laughs> or I'd be, you know, because there were times I'd be like, I'm just going to have to dance, and I'm sure it was awkward, and I'm sure it was weird, uh, but, you know, the Bible says to praise God with all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and I'm like, that sounds like dancing, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to engage and my boys remember me dancing, they remember me singing, they remember me crying, and, and I really, really guarded myself against complaining, mm. because compl- anytime I complained, it felt like the grace of God on my household just left, mm. you know, and I just, an atmosphere of worship, atmosphere of gratitude, atmosphere of God is honored, you know, and, and I, I do think you're right, I think that the enemy has a major goal. I wrote a book years ago called uh, Girls with Swords, and I talked about these are these are a couple of the enemy's schemes. Number one is distraction. Mm-hmm. It's, it, what he do, does is he will distract us. We have a generation, a young generation, that actually knows they are called to do something, but they don't know what that thing is. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think they don't know what that thing is is that strategy is going to require stillness. And so they're so busy looking at what everybody else is doing that they don't know what God wants to do in the future. And, and I don't know about you, but anytime God has dropped something into my spirit, it was in a time of, in his presence, when I was mm-hmm. quiet, when I was peaceful. What, it might even be a worship service at church. It might be in the shower. I happened to walk in the shower. <laughs> I had worship music going in the shower. And so he distracts you. And then if you are like, wow, 
maybe I should start a podcast and I should talk about how God's word is like honey. And then he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I did start it. I couldn't distract her. Now I'll diminish her. He'll say, oh, who do you think you are? Why would anybody, why would anybody listen to your podcast? You, so he'll distract and then he diminishes. And then if you pursue and say, well, you know, it's really not about me. It's about, it's about Jesus and it's about lifting up his name. It's about being obedient to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I'm going to, I'm going to preach the gospel to my world right now, which is young moms and, and young women. Then he says, okay, fine. I'm going to divide you. I'm going to get you mad at other people. I'm because houses that are divided fall. So he's like, okay, what do you think about this minister? Don't you think that minister should be canceled? Don't you think this person should be mocked? Don't you think? So he divides and he is divisive and he sows divisive, divided thoughts into our mind. And that if that doesn't work, he goes after trying to destroy us. Mm. And, and this has just been his pattern that we see over and over and over. And, you know, so I just would say to any listener that is listening to this, if God has put something in your heart, the greatest thing you can do to honor God is to be everything he created you to be. And so don't listen to the diminishing, the distraction, or even the devising. You know, we we have a generation right now that's really good at mocking people. Mm. And they don't realize, God's like, mark them, mark them. Mark those that cause dissensions, mark them, but don't mock them. People are really good at saying, hey, if, if your pastor didn't do this, then he's that. No, no, you don't know that. None of us know that. And so we need to be really careful about attacking the factions and the parts of the body of Christ that maybe we don't agree with, we don't understand, because we don't know their motives. We don't know what's going on. Um, I know, I'll just say for the Roe v. Wade, there was a lot of people that said, if your pastor isn't doing this, it means he's a false teacher. Well, there's a lot of pastors that would rather navigate it in person with their church before they navigated it with strangers. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to, we don't want to assume motives. We can, we can mark actions, but we don't assume motives. And I think that gets really sad because it gets everybody, it's super exciting to be against something, but Jesus never chose sides. He mm-hmm. just stood in the middle and spoke truth. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for everything you just said because it's so true and and it's really sad because cancel culture is so rampant within Christians. Like everybody likes to, not everybody, but it's very popular online to see like everybody pointing fingers and it's really disgusting because there's even pages on Instagram of women who just tear apart any preacher. Like there's one specific page that I was so appalled by that was just like literally finding reasons that everyone and anyone who was a female preacher was or had a f- platform for the Lord was just a false teacher. Um, oh, and, yeah, except for that person. Except yeah, for that person. Exactly. I'm pretty, sure I've been, I, I'm pretty sure I've been called out on that page a couple of times. So, yes. Yeah, anybody that's not them, they say is bad. And it's... I mean, that's, Jesus even said, they were like, hey, disciples were mad. Like, wait a minute. People are... People are casting out demons in your name, and they're not part of our group. And he said, hey, if they're not against us, they're for us. Mm. And I think that's so important for us to remember because 
the ultimate goal is for us to pursue Jesus, not for us to tear apart the body and not for us to mock anybody or, or to have just like such distension because that division you know and and you've said it is just from the enemy and that's that's like really heartbreaking to see but it's so encouraging for you to to speak into it and just say like hey guys like compare everything to the word of god and like don't tear anyone down because you don't know what god is doing in their heart yeah and and i can i be honest with you it's really interesting the woman taken in adultery it's, you know, when Jesus says, you go without sin, cast the first stone, it says they went away one by one, the oldest ones first. Mm. I am here to tell you that the longer you live, the more of an awareness you have that you need mercy, mm. the quicker you are to sow it. Yes. And, I, and I just think when I was young, I probably would have been throwing the stones and saying that person's a false whatever, but it had, it was not by the... It was not by the spirit of God. It was, it was, I don't know what it would, it would have been criticism. Mm. It, it would not, because Jesus washes his bride with the water of the word. And we got way too many people pulling up our skirt and showing our nakedness. Mm. Yes. And, and Jesus said, like, go and sin no more. He didn't say, like, condemn this person. And, and he told them what? not to stone her, which I think that, people miss that point because I anybody who listens knows my testimony my husband and I got pregnant before we were married you know I was pregnant I we were well my husband was still a teenager he was 19 I was 20 I had a platform online people knew me and here I was this girl who's a Christian that now was pregnant before I was married and and so many people cast stones at us we got you know, oh, I'm and so sorry. but God worked in that because we got cast away from church and cast away from people. And through that, I was able to see like firsthand. And I know you have been able to see how cruel people can be and people that label mm-hmm. themselves believers. But God calls us to compassion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just like so inspired by everything you said and just processing it all. And there's just so much to unpack because you're just so filled with wisdom. Well, that's because I've had 40 years of marriage, mistakes, and lessons. So, you know, and can I just say I'm so proud of you guys for making the hard choice. There's a lot of uh, people that feel that, that would not have been able to stand the shame. Mm-hmm. And, and an abortion would have been an easier choice for them because they wouldn't, maybe they would have kept it all a secret mm-hmm. and then no one would have known. And, this is, this is one of those things where the church needs to stop uh, making it wrong to make a good choice and, um, and come alongside young couples that say, yeah, we, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have done that, but, you know, we need, we need mothers and fathers to come alongside us and help us on this journey. It's going to be a little frightening. Mm. Definitely. I really, I really am passionate about that. I think that, and that's another reason why I just feel so passionate about pro-life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very uh, passionate about pro-life. I did the Unite for Life with Live Action and Lila Rose is a dear, dear friend. And, and again, I, I just want the church to do it better because we have a door in front of us where we can make changes that we did not have in, in front of us in years past. Mm. Definitely. Well, I want to thank you so much for hanging out on the podcast today. And I wanted to ask where all the listeners who might not know where to find you, where they can find you and uh, read your books and just be inspired by all the wisdom you have. 
Well, I think people are the nicest on Instagram. So <laughs> if you if you go to Instagram, it's just Lisa Bevere, and it's B-E-V-E-R-E, just like Severe. And I also have, um, I, you know, you can go to Facebook. I, I never go to Twitter. It's a bloodbath. But I'm usually <laughs> on Instagram. And then the other thing is um, I do have, we have a, a web, I don't know if you know this, we have an app. Well, I have an entire course called Moms of Men. We have a free app called Messenger X, and we feature courses on parenting, on marriage, on finding your calling, on reading the word. Uh, We have our next gens on there, sons and daughters. We have short films on there, and it's all free. It's just a discipleship app. It's in 122 languages, and we have given away over 53 million individual resources, and so... You can share it with people. You can lead a group uh, yourself through it, and it's like gamified, or you can like give them high fives and stuff like that. So, yeah, Messenger X, they can do audiobooks, and yeah, that's it. we've got tons and tons of stuff. Wow, I'm gonna go download that now. <laughs> yeah, you'd love Moms of Men. You would crack up. <laughs> I had another young mom that asked me for help. She had four boys, and I had four boys, and finally I just said we should just do a course together and. Then I did a course uh, with my four sons as well, like an additional one with just them on uh, masturbation, pornography, and stewarding their sexuality. Wow, that's incredible. I, I'm honestly, like, I cannot wait to go download this. What a resource it will be. You will have fun with it. Honey, I just want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode and having this conversation with Lisa and I. I want to thank you so much for taking the time and allowing this conversation to happen in your space, whether you're at work, in your car, or on a walk. It was such an honor to be able to join you. If you're not already, I would love to have you be part of the Inspiring Honey tribe on Instagram by following Inspiring Honey. And I'm really excited because I have something really cool to offer to you. So right now I have a downloadable file of 25 day prayer book of prayers that you can say every single day for 25 days to help deepen your relationship with the Lord and strengthen your prayer life Um, for completely free. All I want is just to be able to equip you with these. So all you have to do to get this 25 days of prayer is simply click the link in the show notes below and that will be yours. And I'm really excited and expectant to see how the Lord uses this. If you haven't already, it would mean so much to me if you could please leave a rating and review for this episode and for the show below. And if you haven't already, make sure to share this show with your friends and post about it on social media so we could spread the word and grow the Inspiring Honey family.